Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. It's 10.56 p.m. on a Monday night. I'm supposed to be asleep. And apparently, I was prepping to do this podcast at least some of it at least look over some notes and stuff like that and happened to see as I was getting me more something to eat seeing that a uh, Buffalo Bills uh, player uh, DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field during the Monday night game, very critical Monday night game. And now he's in critical condition as of this recording, at the time of this recording, I should say. And I'm just going to say, let's just keep his family in prayer, no matter the outcome. Pray for his family, seeking guidance, wisdom, and understanding. Because this is a very, very critical moment for him and his family. And it's hard to kind of focus on the bigger things that you need to do because of this. I have never refreshed a page like this in my entire life based on DeMar Hamlin. And I don't even know DeMar I never heard of him until... I've seen it on TV. Didn't even know what the dude looked like. Didn't know what he looked like. And, you know, that's just, that just tells you the, the careness and level of a lot of people that don't know this guy and they're going out their way. There's a lot of support going out there because this is a tough time for their family. You know, the the stress factor, the the sadness, the pain, and the hurt mentally through all of this is 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 sitting with them. They need support. They need support. And I just wanna call out a couple of things on that behalf also. 
um, I want to call out the NFL for being deliberate assholes for trying to restart the game and do a five-minute warm-up to continue. Straight-up asshole move. And if it wasn't for Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, that game would have restarted. So thank you, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, for putting their foots down and saying, hey, we just had the most traumatic event that just happened, and y'all want us to continue? No, give us some time. So they allowed him to go to the locker room. And then they actually officially postponed it. So thank you, NFL, for being an asshole for doing that. And another person I want to call out is Skip Bayless for being a bigger asshole that decides that it is more important to continue with the game as if there are critical seedings here coming close to the playoffs with um, another game and proceeding. Don't be Skip Bayless and don't be in the NFL. Don't be Skip Bayless because of the fact that you're thinking about the game more than DeMar Hamlin. There's a man's life at stake and you're worried about a game. Come on. You got to do better than this. We have people that was mentally broken down, visible, tears. These are grown men. And you're worried about the gang? Okay. Don't be like a, a Skip Bayless. I'm just letting everybody know that right now. Because you'll be the lowest if you ever decide that there is more to a game than a person's life that's at stake. You are the lowest. That's the message. My journey, your journey. Um, I have actually, um, there's been some um, people that has got a hold of me. And they just wanted to just talk. And wanted to talk about their mental health issues, their mental health illness. And all I could really have provided at that point was, um, you know, for them to talk about it, like a little bit of psychotherapy, you know, being like the friend, you know, the the person to uh, talk talk about these things. And it's been a very interesting ride for that because, you know, a lot of people are suffering and are suffering from a lot of things. And I just want everybody to know. If anybody can reach out to me to talk about their mental health issues, just to, just for me to have the listening ear, ask the questions, and all that good stuff, and just want to talk it out, that's what I'm, that's 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 what I want to do. You know, you can email, email me uh, breakingmiddleage at gmail dot com, or you can hit me up on social media. You can DM me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Love University. Y'all can hit me up. You know, let, let's talk about this. I know that a lot of people are ashamed or embarrassed about it, but once we can actually have more awareness about a lot of the things that they're going through, through their mental illness, the more that we can actually 
get more attention from it. So let's talk about it. Email me or DM me on social media. Let's do this. All right. Uh, welcome back uh, to another edition of uh, Breaking Middle Health with Daryl. Well, I am your host, Daryl. So, um, it's been a very, very long day today, to say the least. Um, today, I officially started um, the first my first uh, ten-hour day. Going towards the end of the uh, dissolving and stuff, so be doing ten hour days from here on out um, on a rotation. So I did that today, and then two podcasts. Uh, did one podcast uh, off the script, and did now breaking mental health. So very long and interesting day to say the least. Um. It's getting more and more um, draining because of the fact of that I've been thinking about more of these, how I'm going to get past these 10-hour days. And, of course, talking with Darren, it you know, kind of changed my whole perspective of it. So, you know, now my brain is focused. Now I can actually, you know, start paying more attention to a lot of things. So today, of course, I just did the message, uh, did my journey, your journey. And now I'm going to continue with part two of the education system. Now, I am going to be very honest with you when I say this. Um, I have been less prepared for this than I ever have. But I have been able to get together some things. Um, I'll provide some links in the description wherever you get your podcast. You can get more depth into it, but I'm just going to say right now, I'm just going to say right now that um, the education system is by far, in my personal opinion, the biggest overrated way of... um, Looking out for the people. Now, of course, getting a a diploma when you graduate high school, getting that diploma when you graduate from college, getting that PhD, getting that degree and all of that stuff for, you know, your college and stuff like that. It's always good to have that in your resume. And that's the most important thing to it. But there is always a price to pay when it comes to that. And I believe that money is the biggest reason why I feel that the the education system is kind of like a failure. It's broken, to say the least. Because you have all of these... um, You have all of these loans, and you have some of... Some schools have unnecessary courses for you to take. Because you have to receive this first, then you have to receive this first, then you take these classes, then you take these classes, then you take these classes. Now, of course with me, you know, I can always be wrong, but I just feel like that 
that's going overboard. It's like, you know, with the funeral services paying for somebody's funeral, it's just like, you know, you're putting in more money for this, you're putting in more money for that, you're putting in more money for that, and they look at it as a business, and that's how I feel about the justice, I mean, not the justice, the um, education system, they're just looking at it as a business, in my personal opinion, but I'm not the one to sit here to try to just pull out the facts on that preserve, it's just my opinion. Uh, Money being one thing, so... Let's examine some of this. Um, the deficits in government funding for schools is one of the uh, biggest failures for the public uh, education system in America. Um, of course, like I said, money. I literally just mentioned that money. So, um, believe it or not, um, <clears throat> For more than 90% of uh, kindergarten to, uh, to 12th grade schools, uh, funding comes from state and local governments and largely generated by sales and income taxes. Uh, research shows, however, that funding is not an increase with need. Many states are still issuing funding that is lower than what it was before the Great Recession. Uh, lower funding means fewer teachers, fewer programs, and diminished resources. So, evidently, teachers are not getting paid enough to teach. And that's why you got fewer teachers, fewer programs. If you're not going to have the teachers to do the program, you got to pay the teachers, right? And they're not doing that. But you're doing this through all sales and income taxes. That's a problem. So when you lower your funding, that's what you get. Uh, declining school safety. Hmm. I'm not surprised by this. Gun violence. Gun violence. There's been mass shootings everywhere. The Texas shooting at the elementary school. Sandy Hook. Another one being included. It's just so much that a lot of parents, it they're not prepared to take their child to school knowing that it could be their last time seeing them. Yes, of course, we have Ricks every day. Yes, yes, yes. But there are also ways that you can actually prevent a lot of these smaller problems becoming bigger problems. That's why you see a decline in school safety. We have to improve on that. We have to improve on that. The stresses and the anxieties of all of everything that is going on in the schools. Parents are worried about their child more than anything. And what are they going to do to protect their child? Do y'all not see that? It's, it, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. So now you have to kind of sit and you're looking at this problem. And these mass shootings is one of them. In one poll, over 50% of teenagers said they were worried about the possibility of gun violence in school. Teachers all across the country are faced with the problem of figuring out how to prevent attacks and protect the lives of students and personnel. Kudos to them, but that should not be their job either. I love that the teachers are actually trying to go out of their way to do it, but that is not their job. But at this point, nobody's doing nothing about it, so why not the teachers do it? Why not? It's not fair because it's not their job.
Once again, it's not the job. Some suggest special training for teachers and concealed weapons might make schools safer, while critics argue that more guns in school could lead to more accidents and injuries. Yes, that reason alone also. You don't want to get into that situation, but sometimes you really have no choice. But I agree. I definitely agree with that. You don't want to put yourself, the teachers don't want to put themselves in that position. And I'm pretty sure teachers just agree with this. You know, they don't want to be a part of it. And like I said, they shouldn't have to. It's too much, it's too much mental health here going on with this. Money, which is funding. And then you've got the decline in school safety. Uh, challenges with technology and education. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Um, students have grown up using technology and have come to expect it in the classroom. But of course, there's arguments about how large a role technology should play in education. Uh, supporters suggest that technology creates the potential for more active student engagement and provides instant access, up-to-date resources, while critics say it could be a distraction that I could disagree with. But at the same time, I can agree to disagree. Yes, it could cause a distraction because they could get their mind off something else and browse on the internet on other things. I could agree to that. But at the same time, sometimes... When you actually have that in front of them, I think some students can actually be the ones to actually be more focused. But I'm not declining to sit here to make the facts. I'm just giving my opinion. Um, so while technology in the classroom certainly has its benefits, uh, certain aspects of technology are challenging. So for an example, smartphones and easy access to technology had made it easier for students to cheat and can negatively impact learning. Yes. So, with that being said, I got, a, I got a solution for it. If you believe that this is happening and you know that's happening, somebody in the education system has to learn how to do coding. Where they can actually eliminate a lot of these things. Or doing a lot of blocking within their technology stuff. If they can actually be up to par with this, yes, they can't do it. They can't do it. Now, you can't control what happens at home, right? You can't control that. But at the same time, we as parents has to be more responsible to have them focus by reading books. Have them focus by actually teaching our children cheating is not right. Going on the internet, it's not right. It's not, let me not say the internet is not right, but going on the internet to try to get the resources to get the help by cheating is not right. You know what I mean? But most of these things you really just cannot control. It's out of our element. But when you have your top school system trying to do things, they can actually kind of control that. They can kind of control that. You know what I mean? I just think that having quizzes and all that stuff and tests and stuff, it should not be on the internet. It should be actually on paper. It should be on paper in the classroom.
that's how I feel about that. But, of course, since we're in the world now, the technology has gotten big, and COVID's hit, and stuff like that, we're, you know, we're in a different, you know, situation. We're in a different situation. So, there's a lot of perks and unperks for these time, types of uh, situations. It just depends on how they can handle it. Uh, controversy over charter schools and voucher programs. Yeah. This one right here. This one right here. So, I can't really public, I mean, I can't really comment on a lot of that. But, um, school choices, to say the least. Here's the here's the thing about this. Charter schools and school vouchers allows parents to choose options other than traditional public schools for their children. Uh, charter schools are funded by a combination of private and public funds and operate outside the public school system. School vouchers allow parents to use public funds to send their child to a school of choice, including private schools. Critics of these of these schools suggest that charter schools and voucher programs should find funds away from public schools that are already struggling financially. Yeah, I have really not much to say about that, but I'm just going to leave it there. Like I said, I'm going to leave the link here. If you want to read it, help yourself. This is one of those things that I cannot really give my opinion on. Uh, problems with the Common Core Curriculum. Curriculum. Huh. Decreased teacher salaries. We just talked about the funding. Uh, emphasis on standard uh, standardized testing. Uh, arguments about teacher tenure. Seniority, say to say, uh, say the least. I will say. Uh, bullying in schools. That's a big one. That's a big one. Let me just read this. Over twenty percent of students in grades six through twelve have been bullied, either in school or on their way to and from school. This figure has actually down from 32% in 2007, but is still much too high. The challenge with these statistics is that many students who are bullied do not report it. Bully students experience a wide range of physical, behavioral, and emotional problems that can impact not only their education, but also their lives. I'm just going to sit here and be real with you. I'm going to be real with you. I wished, back in my time that I wish that I would have responded to the way I was getting bullied at school. I wish I would have kicked a lot of those people's asses instead of sitting here and just trying to be the humble guy and not try to fight back and let them get in trouble for it. I just wish I just would have destroyed them. Just, just destroy them, just kick their ass. I kind of wished I did that. You know, but sometimes there's different ways to approach a situation when it comes down to bullying. You Sometimes you either let the parents handle it or you let the police handle it. It just depends on, you know, how serious the situation is. For me, I wish I just would have kicked their ass, period. Parents don't have to be involved. Parents don't have to be involved. I'm sorry, police don't have to be involved. Parents don't have to be involved. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it.
you did what you did, now you're going to fuck up. And I'm going to destroy it. That just, that's just me, you know. Sometimes you really have to think about your mental health, and then sometimes you're really guilty about a lot of things. And then taking the humble way is the most incredible experience you can ever deal with when you're dealing with bullies. It could be stressful, but it could be, you know, well, hit with anxiety. Very well, hit with anxiety. So, yeah, sometimes you do have to tell someone, tell your parents or tell your teacher. You have to do that, you know. Yeah. Bullying, it sucks. I'll tell you that now. It sucks. Uh, growing problems with student poverty. Yeah, there's nothing. This is the more painful one ever. Dealing with students coming to school just to eat. And students coming to school knowing that they're going to eat. But then you look back and then what happens when they get out of school? The parents are flat broke. They're not really making a lot of money. So what happens? So according to the data uh, from the National Center of Education Statistics, more than 50% of the public schools population in the United States was made up of low-income students. This is a significant increase from 38% in 2001. This is a nationwide problem with 40% of public school uh, students qualifying for free or reduced price lunches in 40 states. In 18 of those states, student poverty rates were over 50%. Studies have shown that low-income students tend to perform lower than affluent students and family income shows a strong correlation with student achievement measured by standardized tests. Hey, this is... That is a um, that's a problem that I think um, that really has to change. You know, I think not in the rate of uh, student poverty, poverty, but I believe that regardless to where this where this um, problem with student poverty, we have to lower that somehow, some way. But I just feel overall, in my personal opinion, you know, if paying for school and using the funding, public funds for school, they should be able to provide that stuff for free. That's just in my personal opinion. And that goes for all 48 states. Or 50, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? We're dealing with the homeless. Well, they don't have nothing. They're thinking about their next meal, too. And there's nothing being done about that. Now we got student poverty, and practically there's nothing being done about it except qualifying for free or reduced price lunches. And that's in 40 states. And then that's over 50% in poverty rates. Schools are overcrowded. That's an interesting one. Uh, student mental health challenges. This is the one. Uh, mental health is a growing concern in the United States and one that even affects school students. A 2018 study showed that nearly two-thirds of college students experience overwhelming anxiety, and anxiety has been reported in younger students as well. Even schools that are trying to make a difference face challenges. For example, the recommended ratio of students to counselors is one counselor for every 1,000 to 1,500 students. Uh, 
but the U.S. But the U.S. college campuses averages is 1,737 to 1. Well, let's just say 1,737 to 1. Not a good number either way. Awareness of mental health issues is increasing, but there is still a stigma that prevents many students from seeking care. Which brings me back to my first point. Money. Funding. You know, there are so many different ways that you can get certified for certain things. And then you can actually get courses for little to nothing. You know, YouTube has a whole, that's like a whole school-based free education. I kid you not. I kid you not. There's a whole bunch of courses on there. I guarantee it. That's a fact. I'll tell you that now. YouTube is provided a lot of free education for their courses. Just go on there and subscribe to them. And you'll be learning something for free. Now, Udemy, one of the courses that I take now, well, one of the main things that I take that has college court that has courses, not college courses, but courses, um, has some uh, prices, but they're one-time payments. They're not a monthly thing. They're not a yearly uh, thing, thing either. It's just a one-time payment, and the course is yours forever. So that's what I take on uh, some occasions, you know, to get certified of some things. Um, I've already been certified in two, which is uh, YouTube and uh, stock investing, uh, pretty much for beginners. So... Just for one random price, I think one uh, course for YouTube was like nine ninety nine, and the stock uh, and the stock um, courses was uh, I think nine ninety nine or something like that, or eleven ninety nine, and boom, education for that much, and I got a whole bunch more that I bought that I haven't taken yet, and I has not can tell you right now I have spent less than four hundred bucks. I'm sorry, 300 bucks for those classes. Maybe not even that. Because I get them from anywhere between 9 to 15 bucks. So I could say under $100. So, some of those things you just have to jump on. Uh, parents are not involved enough. That's the other problem. I mentioned this in that... A lot of parents really don't have the high education to help their students in that case. And then you got the bullying ordeal. The parents are not involved in that either half of the time, which is why that is. But when they mean that parents are not involved enough, it's all about homework and the different challenges that they have in their classes. And it goes through home, too, when the parents really don't understand their you know, their uh, classes and homework. So why is that? Is either because they're career they're too career focused or they just have no idea about it. They don't have the time to spend to support, you know, their education. Which is, you know, one of the things that I'm gonna have to try to find a way to be better at when it comes down to Aaliyah, because that's gonna have to be one of the ones I have to learn. I have to get more involved in it. No excuses. Uh, too many schools are being closed. Yes, it's happening. 
and lack of teacher innovation and outdated teaching methods. So there's a lot more to this. I just named the top 15. Like I said, the link is in the description. You can help yourself to it. But I want to get back to this. So if you read it, I'm going to get back to it. But um, I'm just going to say this and leaving that the education system has to be fixed somehow, some way. It is broken. Something needs to be done about it. And I hope something gets done about it because we're really, we're really stuck in this predicament right now. Some of the things are being, you know, involved with the courses that I just mentioned in Udemy and then YouTube having their free courses and stuff like that. You know, those are one of the things you take advantage of, which is perfect. You do that. Um, there's going to be a part three to this, so stay tuned for it. But that's all I have at this moment. Uh, I appreciate everybody's time. Um, I just wanted to make this short podcast. And so now that I got a big plan together, I can actually get this done and do more research. But once again, I appreciate everybody's time. I really do. Uh, join me next week. I'm going to continue podcasting part two. So join me for that. Um, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Love University. And uh, you can email me at uh, breakingmiddleage at gmail.com. I have all the information in the description too. So please don't forget to follow me, DM me, or email me. Talk to me. Let's have these uncomfortable conversations. Rather, if you feel embarrassed or not, we can always talk about it. You can feel better at the end of the day. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you are one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.